Good morning, church, again. Again, I want to say welcome to our guest. I want to welcome back particularly our Wheaton College students. A special welcome to you. It's fun to, yeah, it's fun to have you back. Affectionately, I refer to them as Wheaties. Fun to have the Wheaties back and uh, to see everybody here this morning. And if you're a guest with us looking for a church home, uh, we have an info booth at the back there, pretty easy to find the black tent, and you can find out more about us. There's someone there that would be happy to answer questions about our community of faith. At the heart of the gospel is an invitation to live differently, and I brought a teaching prop this morning, one which I'm sure we'll all be able to relate to. I hope that we understand the invitation of God in the gospel this morning a little bit better. So I brought my pillow dangerous to bring a pillow to church. Some of us need no excuse uh, to doze, right? Some, in fact, Jennifer, just stepping off the platform here, said, Kelly, no napping up here. You know, only 1% of the American population does not use a pillow. 99% of us use a pillow, and most of us have very particular preferences when it comes to pillow. pillows. I, I'm a two-pillow person, and the top pillow is actually folded, so I get a three-pillow effect. Yeah, you're giggling, right? Appropriately so, because we all have our pillow preferences. In fact, there's big money in pillows. You see them advertised on the infomercials late at night because people need their rest. We need our rest. In fact, did you know that Americans average only about six hours sleep a night? I won't take a survey here, but that's two hours short of the eight needed. And over the course of a lifetime, you lose, if you're sleeping just six hours, you lose six years of sleep if you live to be 80. Six years. 70 million Americans suffer from sleep deprivation, a chronic sleeplessness. 42 million have a sleep disorder. 40% of Americans experience insomnia. 40% at some point during each year. Sleep-related problems added estimated $5 billion to healthcare costs. The effects of sleep loss costs $18 billion in lost productivity. That's basically people sleeping at their desks. Why are so many Americans having trouble sleeping? The CDC links America's sleep troubles to things like being over-caffeinated, right? Over-medicated, overworked, overweight, over-connected technologically. And what's most interesting to learn, I found this fascinating. What's most interesting about lost sleep is that studies indicate those with higher incomes and more education tend to average less sleep. Apparently, the more you know and the more you make, the less you rest. In fact, among the highly credentialed and the highly competent, sleep deprivation is often worn as a badge of honor, right? Oh, I was up all night cramming for an exam or getting ready for a presentation of some sort. Unfortunately, those who suffer sleep loss are more likely also to suffer from diseases, hypertension, diabetes, depression, cancer. So there's this strange paradox 
that afflicts our modern way of life. On the one hand, we've never had it so good. The education, the medicine available, the standard of living in our country is superior. We have more resources available to us than any other people in the history of the world. But on, on the other hand, we live tired. We're desperately in need of a good night's sleep. We have every time-saving convenience possible, every sophisticated high-tech gadget at our disposal, every possible means of entertainment, and very little rest. It's the best of times when it comes to recreation, the worst of times when it comes to rest. And of course, the rest we desperately need is not simply physical, is it? In fact, physical sleep is is most often, physical loss of sleep is most often caused by mental and emotional and spiritual stresses. Many of the reasons folks lose sleep directly related to the stresses they endure day in and day out, fears, worries, anxieties, guilt, shame. How many of us wake before the alarm goes off? Don't raise your hand, it's okay. Rhetorically. We wake before the alarm goes off and our mind starts racing and we can't get back to sleep. We're trying to manage outcomes constantly. For some of us, I mentioned this as we were gathering this morning, uh, to several, back to school is, is basically back to stress. Right, the back to school stressors. Will I make the team? Why do I have to take so many AP classes? Will my child get good grades? Will my child make friends? Will my child make good choices? How will we pay for all the lessons and club sports and activities? Insert the gospel here. The invitation of God this morning is an invitation to rest. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle, he said. Jesus described himself as gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The invitation of the gospel is an invitation to rest. Soul nourishing, spirit renewing, life giving rest as we come to Jesus. The rest we most desperately need is found in a relationship with a person. It's not found in a place or a position or a particular purchase. It's found in a relationship. Does weary and burdened describe your reality? The rest Jesus is offering is rest for parents driving tirelessly from practice to rehearsal to lessons The rest offered by Jesus is rest for the executive who's leveraged their future financially in order to provide all possible experiences for their family. The rest that Jesus offers is for the student worried about not making the team or the dean's list or the AP test scores that are needed. The rest offered for Jesus is the rest needed by an addict who's chased by their compulsive behaviors. The rest offered by Jesus is the rest needed for the person haunted by shameful memories, guilt-ridden habits. 
Let me break it down for you a little bit. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. How do we come to Jesus? He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We come to Jesus by taking his yoke upon ourselves. A yoke is a device that sits on an animal's neck and it's tethered to a burden they're trying to pull, a plow or a cart, enabling them to pull it. They bear this yoke. Biblically, we're yoked to someone or something when we're pulling the burden of someone or something. And to find rest, we must take up Jesus' yoke. We need his easy yoke. We need his light burden. We need the yoke of the one who describes himself as gentle and humble. In the first century, all rabbis, Jesus was a rabbi, all rabbis taught their disciples. A rabbi's teaching was described as their yoke. They would place this yoke, this burden, on those who were learning from them. And the burden they placed on them, these disciples would try to carry, so to speak, pull. For instance, on keeping the Sabbath holy, just one example, the fourth commandment, one rabbi of the first century might have taught to keep the Sabbath holy, you can't walk more than the distance to your local synagogue. Another rabbi might say, well, no, you can walk twice the distance to your local synagogue. And so different rabbis would have different interpretations and applications of the law. Jesus, like a first century rabbi, he had his application. He had his teaching of the law. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, he said, You've heard it said, don't commit murder. I tell you, and here's the yoke. Anyone who's angry with another person has committed murder in their heart. This is the teaching of Christ. This is the yoke of Christ. He said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. The seventh commandment, I tell you, anybody who lusts after a person, this is his teaching, this is his yoke, has committed adultery in their heart. We are all carrying some yoke we're all tethered to someone or something we're all pulling a burden the question is whether the yoke we're carrying is easy light life-giving whether it's from a gentle and humble man who gave his life for us at first jesus's yoke can seem terribly difficult all I'll be honest with you. Do not commit murder. Jesus raises the bar. He says, don't even get angry. Do not commit adultery. He raises the bar. He said, don't even lust in your heart after another. He says, turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to go a mile, go two miles. He says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. These are, he says, forgive not, not once, not twice, but seven times 70, an infinite number of forgivenesses. At first, his, his yoke looks heavy and burdensome until, until you hear Jesus say, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. What might that mean? It means that Jesus is 
Jesus came to do what we're unable to do. That Jesus came to keep the law perfectly. Never getting angry in an inappropriate fashion. Never hating in his heart another person. Always forgiving. Never lusting in his heart after another person. Moral perfection. Jesus said, I came to keep the law perfectly, not do away with it. And by trusting in his moral perfection, in his sacrificial death, we find rest. He does for us what we're unable to do. The invitation to bear Jesus' yoke is an invitation to depend upon his moral perfection, his fulfilling the law, his keeping the law. He didn't come to lower the standard of God's holiness. He came to demonstrate God's holiness and then to spread his arms and absorb the punishment of sin on our behalf. Living differently? What might it mean to live differently this next school year? What if the world were going to end on Tuesday? To live differently means to trust in Jesus rather than trusting in ourselves. To live differently means to take the yoke of a gentle and humble man who was morally perfect and gave his life for us. To live differently means to stop trying to manage outcomes. To live differently means stop trying to control circumstances. To please people, wouldn't that be nice? Imagine living without those types of stressors, managing outcomes, pleasing others. Imagine letting go of all this and simply enjoying the easy yoke and the light burden of the one who gave his life for us. Imagine the rest that would come by trusting in another man, one who's perfect and who was raised from the dead after he gave his life. How do we come to Jesus? How do we take the easy yoke and the light burden? How do we exchange yokes with Christ? We have the yoke around our necks, right, of sin. He kept the law. We're unable to keep the law. We have the yoke around our necks, right, of sin, of trying to manage outcomes, of trying to please others. We come to Jesus as we take his gentle yoke, and we do that by faith, by faith. Of course, to come to the person, Jesus, and receive his yoke means to admit we're tired. We have to admit we're tired. That's hard for suburbanites to do, I'll be honest with you. So many suburbanites are like the toddler who refuses to go down for a nap. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. And we press on and on. The world offers all types of false rest and comfort and conveniences and achievements. Well, I'll rest when I reach the mountaintop. True rest is found in a relationship of the one who gave his life for us. By carrying the yoke of Jesus this morning, by expressing your trust in him, and you can do that right now where you're seated, you can just talk to your creator like you would talk to your best friend, tell him you're tired, 
you're tired of being in charge of your own life and you want to follow after Jesus. That's what he says. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. It's this process of walking after Jesus. That's what disciple means. It's a, he's a, a disciple's a learner, a follower after. There's no one better to follow than the gentle and humble teacher, Jesus. Paul writes, if we declare with our mouth, if we speak it with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that Christ was morally perfect, gave his life for us, and was raised from the dead, then we will be saved. And you can do that right where you're seated this morning. You can take off the yoke of self-provision, self-reliance, and begin to rely on Christ. And if you have followed him for a long time, but have wandered away from him lately, it's easy to do that. It's easy to trust in, in Christ for salvation, but then day to day, get caught up in providing for yourself. You can talk to your father right where you are, your creator. You can talk to your savior, savior and say, I want to learn from the gentle and humble man again, Jesus. I need soul's rest again. You know, rest is not inactivity. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is, a, is the, the activity of depending on Jesus. Taking your worries and your cares to him and your anxieties to him and leaving outcomes to him. We shift our focus from trying to manipulate outcomes to entrusting them to our Savior. I want to encourage you this morning, entrust to your Savior your life. Give your life to him this morning. Take the gentle, the easy, the light yoke of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to pray for the activity of rest through dependence on your Son. Would you move in our hearts to help us identify where we're not trusting in Jesus? I pray that we would remember this morning the invitation, the unique invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest. Father, you're good to us to provide your son's soul's rest. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to talk about the rest that's found in Christ, I would love to talk with you. Perhaps you're with someone here today that's invited you. I'm sure they'd love to talk to you. If you have more questions about who Christ is and, and how to trust him in and the particulars of day-to-day, -day, I would just I would love to, to talk with you. Or if you're a guest here for the first time and I'd love to meet you, I'll be right over here after the service. Come and introduce yourself to me or I'll be roaming. The Lord bless you. Let's stand again and sing together to close our service.